This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, Episode 2. I think interest and people pursuing this route, uh, and I think that you have to do things to differentiate yourself compared to everybody else. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, NSCA Head Strength and Conditioning Coach, Scott Caulfield. Here today, working out of the University of Denver, thanks to our good friend and Director of Sports Performance, Matt Shaw. Matt, thanks for being on the show today. Scott, glad to be here. Appreciate the hookup with the room here, too. We kind of, you've allowed us to take over the uh, screening room. What do you guys uh, use this room for most of the time? Yes, we have a, uh, about a 50-person um, stadium seating screening room on the back side of our office um, that was put in I think when they actually did all the facility upgrades here at DU about seven years ago uh, so we use this room a lot for nutritional based presentations lifestyle management um, there's a few teams that use this to do video um, or team-based meetings but for the most part um, it definitely gets used a lot from our side and from the uh, from the sport coaches side outstanding this is a great spot it's a great spot. I love the love the setup that you guys have between your weight room and all the other things you have here. Um, so I like to always start off this podcast a little bit differently than some others. So I know that um, this has been a, actually a topic that you've talked about at some NSCA conferences too. But if you're starting a new strength conditioning program, you've got a limited budget, you can only pick a few items. I'm going to say arbitrarily three. What are you going to pick? And what would you have to start your program? Yeah, I mean, I think that we're definitely, especially here, we're, I think it's all about basics for us. It's the things that we can use across a wide variety of student athletes, um, use them in terms of different modalities. So for, I think for us here at DU, you know, I think we prioritize just the basics, like things like barbells, hex bars. Um, you know, if we're going to look at things like kettlebells or dumbbells, it's like we can use them in so many different ways that I think it's just sticking with things that I think have more variability uh, that we can create different loading schemes behind um, and we can use I think in a lot of different ways I mean besides those you know things like cables um, or Kaiser functional trainer things like that where you know you can change you know where you're pulling from um, and do different pressing motions or different rotational exercises um, it definitely allows you to be pretty variable in how you're implementing everything definitely definitely I think that it's so easy to to get uh, you know ahead of ourselves, right? Or just if you want to uh, keeping it simple, a lot of the time it's kind of easier. And the fundamentals are the fundamentals for a reason, right? We all do them at different levels. Just as you get higher level athletes, fundamentals just end up being faster, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about if you had a magic wand and you could eliminate any coaching practice, what would you choose? Oh man, uh, probably just the the circus act in terms of you know people jumping up on stability balls um, or trying to do stability based work um, not on the ground but I think on other pieces of equipment um, I think it 
happens a lot more in terms of the private sector um, that you see a lot of variability in, in different kind of situations. Um, but also we have a lot of European athletes that come in and, you know, they may have been doing that for years. Um, so it's definitely a learning curve from them, but it's just for us, you know, we prioritize our athletes, learn how to stabilize and do everything off of the ground um, and, and obviously maintaining safety. So we try to keep them, I think, in, in perspective um, in terms of injury risk. Um, and in the end of the day, they're going to have to stabilize on the ground anyway. Definitely. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Maybe if uh, YouTube was never invented, uh, <laughs> we, we wouldn't know about half of these things that people have tried to do. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Here's one one. How about can you name three people or a couple people, uh, either living, dead or fictional characters that you'd like to have a have dinner with or sit down and have some conversation with? All right. I'm, I'm going to start with uh, Bill Belichick. Um, yeah, I think Bill Belichick is definitely one of the guys that you know, look at and you're just kind of amazed in terms of how he's approached coaching. Um, I think from a broad sense, you know, who he is and everything that I think he's really his almost his approach and his demeanor um, is very straightforward but he's so creative in terms of how he manages individuals around him and allows everyone to be successful um, second you know somebody like Steve Jobs um, again it's like the creativity and I think you know what he's done within you know the tech field in terms of Apple um, and being an inventor being highly creative um, is always kind of a fascinating story but I've kind of enjoyed reading and and obviously seeing what he did in his life um, and then finally probably like somebody like Warren Buffett somebody in the financial world um, you know it's just something that I really have no idea about anything in that side of things so anything that guide my decision making uh, would be great <laughs> I like it I like it I, I've always thought we need some sort of like uh, investment retirement financial education as a conditioning coach somewhere along the line definitely <laughs> um so I know you're, you know, a little bit about your background. I uh, came from BU, Boston University, out here to Denver. Tell me a little bit about uh, how that, you know, how that transition worked, and you know how you found out about the job, you know, apply whatever, how you made that move, and then kind of, you know, you're now the dir the director of sports performance. I know you didn't start in that position. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'd been at Boston U. I had completed my undergrad and my grad program there. Um, and I was a GA at the time. Um, and right after my GA position, you know, I was lucky enough to kind of be a finalist for a few positions um, and ended up that Boston U kind of created a position for me to stay on full time and actually created a position. Um, so at the time I was working with basketball, uh, men's soccer and wrestling and, you know, worked full time for them for about 10 months after my, my graduate program. I was lucky enough just to kind of get a call um, you know at the time you know the job here at the University of Denver working with hockey um, had just opened up um, I had a good amount of hockey experience previously with Boston U and with Harvard um, and as an intern in both situations and so it was kind of the perfect um, thing you know my name had come up in conversation um, with the current director at the time Catherine Wardenby um, and so she gave me a call and just kind of engaged my interest level in that position um, 
and so I immediately, you know, been at Boston U, I think at that point for about seven or eight years um, in that environment. Um, and I was ready for, for a change and a challenge. Um, so I jumped at the opportunity to come out here and, and work with a, a perennial top 10 team um, with hockey and then to kind of establish something unique with soccer and the teams that I was working with here at the time. Awesome. That's great. And now you've, uh, you've got what, probably the best hockey team this year since you've been here? Yeah, I mean, we've been lucky to have really good teams in the past few years um, last year you know, made it to the Frozen Four um, and you know this year I think right now we're sitting at second in the country and first in the conference in the NCHC uh, definitely a talented team but you know it's kind of funny it's like it's definitely not the most talented team that we've had um, but you know from the top down I think the buy-in of every student athlete that we have on that team um, is incredibly invested they're all team first um, and they just have the right mentality and the right skill level to go far this year yeah it's been it's been fun to watch especially since i am assumed to be a alumnus of uh university of denver in the master's program yeah we've, we've really come full circle uh you know previously uh you know you heading up colorado college hockey um and now uh you know we're playing on the same side so it's great it's great <laughs> um so you've I, you've also done like you kind of alluded to the, the internships you've done um what if you're an intern listening to this podcast and you're wondering what you should be doing? What Are there any like kind of must do's or, uh, you know, boxes you have to check? What, is, what should interns who want to end up being the director of sports performance at the University of Denver, what are, what are they supposed to do to get there? Yeah, I mean, it's hard because, you know, I think right now it's like every year I think it's more and more competitive. Um, I think, you know, when I got the job here, I think I had to go up against about 300 applicants. Um, you know, every full-time position, whether it's entry level or somebody else that we were hiring here, I think it's been somewhere around, you know, anywhere from 100 to 200, up to 300 applicants for each of those. Um, so it's definitely becoming more and more difficult. Um, the field's been obviously flooded with, I think, interest and people pursuing this route. Um, and I think that you have to do things to differentiate yourself compared to everybody else. Um, you know, I was lucky in, in going to school in Boston, you know, it's highly dense in terms of how many strength coaches are out there, how many universities are out there. Um, so I was in an environment where, you know, I could go between, you know, different internships, different work experiences, um, you know, and I was lucky to have five internships during my my undergrad experience and then have one more during my, my actual graduate um, education. And so I had a lot of people that along the way, I think were, were guiding my education, were doing an unbelievable job of mentoring me um, and helping me, I think, realize the route that I was going to have to take, um, especially with where it kind of fit within my goals. Um, but they definitely helped me along the way, I think, guide every decision that I was making, um, you know, teaching me the intricacies of, the, you know, not only the job, uh, but also how to navigate, I think, almost like the, the political side of being in the NCA um, Division One environment and to really, I think, figure out uh, what that path looked like. Uh, so I think the biggest recommendation I'd make is, you know, look at it from, you know, I think just the things that are going to really separate you, um, the different experiences, um, the people that are going to make the, you know, really the biggest influence on your life, um, you, you know, do the little things that go above and beyond and separate yourself from maybe another intern that you may be working with at the time. Um, 
And then also, I think just know your path, um, figure out what the end goal is. Um, if you want to be in the hockey world, if you want to be in the soccer world or football, it's like, you know, that you're going to have to, I think, acquire uh, some experiences along the way that are going to help you get into those situations later on. Um, you know, early on in my career, it's like, I didn't really know which route I wanted to go. Um, so, you know, I made sure that I had football experience, um, on my resume at both Harvard and then at University of South Carolina. Um, and then I made sure that I had hockey experience because that was something that was obviously very interesting to me, um, being you know from the Northeast and, and spending a good chunk of my life there. Um, so I, I made sure that I had, you know, really high level experiences from great people that were well respected. Um, and then I worked as hard as possible to, I think, get the most out of every one of those experiences and kind of shape my my strategies in terms of acquiring positions and doing the best job that I could in any environment that I was in. Yeah, I think that's so important. You, like you said, uh, figuring out what you want to do. All right, do you want to be a Division One strength coach? Do you want to be a college strength coach? Do you want to be a pro strength coach? And, and there are the certain things that you need to do once you want to pick that realm. But until you figure out which way you want to go, you're going to be all over the place. So I know that that was a thing when I definitely kind of went the college route um, you know I, I definitely had to get in with a college team I volunteered with Dartmouth football for an entire year before they ever even you know gave me any other kind of responsibilities and picked up a couple other teams after that and then you know then it was kind of like that aha moment like okay now I know what I've done I did the right things to get this and now it's all kind of taking off from there so that's cool you've mentioned uh, mentors or people that you know kind of influence your career Tell us about a few of those people and kind of the maybe even also, um, you know, the best coaching advice that, that some of those people have given you. Yeah, I mean, I was lucky. Uh, you know, being at Boston U, there's a lot of great strength coaches there that really kind of guided me, especially early on. Um, you know, my first experience is with Mike Boyle um, with Boston U hockey. Um, it wasn't with any other team and it wasn't any other setting. Uh, so I think the biggest thing that I took out of that with was really just perspective um, you know I was that was my first experience but at the same time you know I think I kind of started to develop a way of thinking um, you know how, how critically can you look at all the information at hand um, can you you know use that information to then guide you know your decision making um, and then from there you know went into a private practice situation that was actually there on campus uh, but it was a it was almost like an applied sports psych and strength and conditioning private sector position um, where I both interned and then ended up being employed. Um, and it was ran really by actually as a sports psychologist who was on staff at Boston U as a professor. Um, and so it was a really interesting just to kind of see how they were tying everything together. Uh, but I had the opportunity to work with youth to adult athletes. Um, you know, got involved with, you know, working with the junior Bruins. Uh, so some, some young Younger kids that really this may have been their first experience in, in actually completing strength and 
doing work. Um, and so that obviously taught me a lot in terms of working with, you know, youth and working with individuals that had a really low training age and how to approach things, I think, a little bit differently than any other experience that I had. Um, you know, over with the staff at Harvard, it was awesome. Um, you know, I spent my summertime interning there um, and then continued on basically through December. So I was volunteering time over there almost every morning before I was going into my undergrad classes. Um, and then, you know, going back over there at certain points in the day, just to kind of lend a hand. Um, and it was great, you know, learning in, in any type of Ivy League situation, you start to realize the grind um, that those coaches go through and each having anywhere from 10 to 12 teams um, and balancing you know, really a department that has 40 plus sports programs with a full-time staff of maybe three to four um, and just how I think how hard that is in terms of time management um, and be able to program and still be able to implement things at a really, really high level um, and so those guys really influenced me from that perspective you know it's it's how you can you don't have to I think give up and sacrifice quality um, even if you do have 10 to 12 teams no matter what situation or what schedule you're operating with um, there's a level of quality that I think this this field demands um, and that environment was probably one of the most influential from from that perspective uh, and then after that you know went on to uh, to intern and, and work with Glenn Harris and the staff at Boston U um, over with the rest of the uh, the sports there besides hockey um, and got really a chance to I think just realize the, the staff management perspective uh, facility design and the challenges of going through and actually developing and redesigning you know the weight room there uh, which was an awesome experience and something that you know I look back on uh, especially now that I'm in this role here at DU and kind of making those decisions day to day uh, but also how to manage you know staff and I think keep everyone operating within you know a confident perspective you know we try to create a situation here where everyone kind of is working within their strengths um, you know where they're the most confident and then we develop you know those other aspects to who they are as a coach um, and the skill sets that they bring to the table um, so I think that that was, you know, unbelievable management um, perspective that they really taught me. And then finally, my last internship was with University of South Carolina uh, with Craig Fitzgerald, um, who's now with the Texans, Joe Conley, who's now at UMass Amherst, uh, Dan Austin, you know, one of the all time grades in terms of powerlifting. Um, so and Armand Satchel, who's now the head at New Mexico. So it's, you know, it, you looked at everyone that was on staff staff there um, and it was an unbelievable opportunity to learn I think in a completely different environment you know SEC football is a completely different piece compared to anything else um, that I've experienced in my career um, the level of demand and stress on the job um, the level of intensity to get the most out of every second uh, but that's really where I learned how to coach with a level of I think intensity um, and efficiency to get the most out of the athletes and I think really to appeal to the student athletes mentality um, and to make a profound impact um, on their character um, you know really came from that experience so cool yeah it's a lot of great great uh, mentors you've had and experiences you've had so now that you're kind of getting to lead the way and, and give back to 
you know, your young coaches and interns. I know you've done some cool kind of different stuff here at the University of Denver between internships, fellowships. Uh, talk a little bit about what you've implemented here you know, and how you were able to utilize your resources uh, within the university to do that. Yes, I think DU is really kind of an interesting, you know, situation. Obviously, we're a mid-major. You know, we don't have football. Um, you know, our biggest teams in terms of success. You know, you look at our ski team. It's won, you know, 27, I think, national titles at this point, or it's going to be a little bit less. Um, you know, you look at hockey. That's won seven national titles historically as a program. Men's lacrosse that just won their first, um, and then you know, a team like gymnastics or men's soccer that you know are now kind of top 10, top 15 teams consistently uh, but you know we're, we're definitely an Olympic sport based university um, we don't have the same resources financially but that being said you, you know we've kind of been really creative with how we've kind of created resources and relationships on campus that are really strategic that have allowed us to continue to develop and stay at the forefront um, you know a couple years back you know the biggest thing was just establishing an internship program starting off you know that basic uh, but just the impact of having, you know, more than three people that were full time here um, would be a huge help to not only us, but then we could give back um, to them and really generate as much success as possible by utilizing interns as volunteer coaches um, and giving, you know, I think people an opportunity to really garner as much, you know, practical experience that they can get out of this situation as possible. So, you know, we've appealed, I think, to a lot of, you know, unique individuals, whether they're grad assistants coming here during the summertime to get a very different experience here or whether it was somebody who may be a little more green in the field um, coming in here during the fall or the winter um, but we've kind of created a, a fully structured curriculum um, that really looks at you know not only the X's and the O's but talks about I think a level of detail and strategy and thought process um, that may be a little bit different than a lot of situations um, at the end of the day you know I think with our internship program we prioritize the thought process and the strategy more than anything else. Um, the things that, you know, really are impacting our decision making day to day um, and why we do things. Um, so if an, if an intern leaves, um, you know, at least at a minimum, we know that they have those strategies built up um, and it's going to impact them, I think, just in terms of how they view and how they think. Um, and that's probably one of the best benefits that we can give them. Um, not only that, but obviously a, a lot of coaching experience you know our interns are coaching on the floor about 10 to 12 hours a day um, and it's it's consistent all the way through um, it's consistent all the way through um, to the point where you know it allows us to get the most out of our interns and to see them develop into full-time coaches um, you know we have now I think probably about 12 coaches that have gone on to full-time division one positions um, a couple within the hockey side of things I think we have three or four coaches now they're in division one hockey out of 60 teams um, something that we're really proud of um, but then we've also created a fellowship program, which was new about a year ago. Um, the fellowship program for us was a way to, I think, bridge the gap 
gap between creating, you know, full-time staff positions um, that maybe hopefully will occur, I think, down the road, uh, but immediately address the short-term need. Um, so what we did is we created, you know, basically two part-time positions that were usually postgraduate level um, opportunities to bring individuals into work essentially four hours a day with us, um, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and then opposite of their schedule here with us, they actually work with Dr. Nicholas Studholm, who's a chiropractor right down the road, um, one of the smartest people that I know. Um, and so they actually work with in his setting as well, almost as a chiropractic rehab extender. Um, so it allows them to, I think, also gain a really great appreciation of just, I think, a different perspective. Um, so he does an unbelievable job of educating, I think, from the movement side and, and joint articulation and taking on the Grand Institute philosophies, um, but not only just doing table work, but how do you re-ingrain you know, proper movement with clients um, once you maybe reposition or, or mobilize them? Um, and so how do you get it to stick long-term? You know, how do you affect the nervous system um, so then they can take that experience that they're learning over there and then actually reintegrate it into our setting? Um, so it's kind of this cyclical process of learning and applying, uh, but it kind of has created a really unique situation for us to, to obviously provide an individual that type of experience um, and then, you know, obviously give them a little bit of a stipend here um, and then, you know, obviously get them involved on the other side of things as well. Yeah, that's cool. I've uh, met Nick before and a uh, super smart guy. Actually, one of my mentors too, Chris Poljasic, he was in the gift program with Nick and Todd Wright and that I can't yeah. imagine the just knowing the guys that were in that class, the level yeah. of uh, conversations that went on behind the scenes for that. So uh, that's awesome. That's uh, it's impressive to see the program that you guys have built up here and how you're doing it. Um, you know, and I know you talk to them a lot about um, building their network and being professionals. Um, you posted uh, an SCA state clinics. How you know? How are you? What else are you teaching these guys about and girls, uh, young coaches about? You know how to build their network, how to be professionals. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I think we try to take a big perspective look at everything. You know, we're not only teaching them the X's and the O's, but we're teaching them about coaching, about professionalism, how to interact with student athletes at a really high level, talk about like athlete management um, down to not only individual level, but also team perspectives. Um, you know, we look at, you know, I think how to develop, you know, positive relationships with, you know, coaches, um, you know, the people that are going to influence their success and and really their profession, you know, for the rest of their lives. It's like you have to be willing to, I think, work with with everybody. Um, you know, how do you, how do you work with sports med um, and to have a really positive relationship there that can actually, you know, I think really profoundly impact, um, you know, your success as a strength conditioning coach is that relationship, but it doesn't really get talked about a lot. Um, you know, we're lucky here that we have a department that I think has been granted a lot of access to our student athletes. Um, we're allowed to do hands-on work with our athletes in implementing RPR um, or hands-on modalities. And it's really unlike any other environment that we've been in, but it's also come, you know, I think and developed into that because of the relationship that we really have with sports med. Um, they know that everything that we're doing has a certain thought process behind it. Um, we're never going to 
going to put us an individual athlete into a situation where you know it's going to cause an issue um you know with them you know the modality i think going against with their current status um but you know we're very very careful about how we implement things and also keeping sportsmen highly involved in every decision that we're making um and you know we've kind of created a new umbrella and a subdivision of athletics here at du called pioneer health and performance um, that was established actually last summer um, and it was a collaborative approach between sports performance sports medicine sports psych and sports nutrition um, with improvements and resources and staffing almost across every single one of those kind of subdivisions um, but then to bring them all together to create a collaborative approach about how we apply resources uh, modalities and kind of take a team-based approach uh, back into our student athletes and getting them the best experience possible to improve their health and wellness um, and performance and development. So, you know, it's, I think it's looking at everything, you know, we, we have to take our interns and I think get them used to operating um, within different environments, with different people, with different perspectives. Um, if we do those three things, then, you know, I think that we can generate a lot of success and, you know, they're going to move on to positions and know how to, I think, re really to move in type in any situation um, or any type of context and to have a really great experience and to be able to, I think, have the trust of anyone around them. That's great. And I know the University of Denver is kind of world renowned for the sports psych program, too. So you've got really cool resources to be able to tap into here with those guys. Yeah. Um, how about we think about um, evaluating strength coaches. I know it's come up. It's kind of been a hot topic lately. Do you have thoughts on how strength conditioning coaches should be evaluated? Uh, is there one way? Is there multiple ways? Is something you've seen worked better than others that you've seen? Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard. It's, you know, there's so many different variables that occur. Um, it, I mean, I think in the end of the day, you know, you have to look at team success. You know, I think that we're, we have more contact than sport coaches. You know, what, what do we do to actually positively influence our student athletes? Um, maybe looking at the perception of not only the student athletes, but also the coaches. You know, do they, do both sides actually value what you're bringing to the table? Um, I think now, you know, in the, in the age of technology and education, it's, you know, you have more student athletes that have been exposed to strength conditioning and to technology and to different resources across their lives, you know, they come in educated. Um, they can see through, you know, I think a lot of the the cloudiness behind how you, you know, individuals operate, um, lack of communication, they see through, you know, mistakes that are made. Um, so you have to be careful. And, and I think it's one of those things, though, that it's really important to kind of always know, you know, really the perception of the, of the coaches and the athletes. Here at DU, um, all of our student athletes fill out um, end of the year surveys and evals on every staff member and support um, staff member. Um, so we constantly, I think, have an idea of whether we're doing the right things and making a positive impact. Um, that's one way that we get evaluated um, from our department. You know, I think that I also look at things like injury rates, um, whether that's inside of our facility and making sure that it, one, never happens. But then, two, it's also looking at, you know, non-contact or, or types of risk or injuries that may potentially happen within competition. Um, you know, I think some people out there probably think that that's really not a way to, to gauge a strength coach.
coach, but you know, from my perception, it is. Um, I believe that you know it is part of our responsibility to make a more durable athlete that can handle physical stress in any type of situation they're going to see within competition or practice. Um, and there's a level of, I think, responsibility that we have in preparing our student athletes for any type of situation that they are going to be in. Um, and obviously, that takes time and context. You know, if you're brand new in a job, you can't get evaluated probably in the first year of development, um, especially when you're changing around how you implement things compared to what they've probably gone through in the past. Um, but I think that, you know, year in and year out, there has to be positive improvements in the capabilities and the physical development of our student athletes. Um, and, and I don't know if there's a great way of looking at that. Um, you know, we've, we've been lucky here that we've kind of a, really created a partnership across campus with mechanical engineering department. Um, so now we're actually releasing, you know, a standard assessment that actually goes and looks at injury risk and kind of performance based variables using force plate analysis. Um, and actually starting this week, it's going to be released across every single sports team here. Um, so now we have a standard behind, you know, really generating injury risk assessment and those different performance variables that we're looking at that can actually be standardized across every program. Um, that's just one more thing that we look at. And then, you know, we have a lot of technology here now with signing the contract with Catapult, um, having Polar, you know, the team pro system, um, having different resources like that, I think further allow us to get connected back in from the sports science side. But then, you know, we're re really trying to make as much of an impact, not only our student athletes, but also our coaches as possible. And I think that relationship between us, our sport coaches and our student athletes, um, and, you know, sports med and the administration, like it all has to be looked at and evaluated. Um, but that's how I want our staff to operate is within, I think, a context of that. We're going to do anything possible to make, I think, a positive impact on on every single one of those perspectives um, and, and how I think everyone works together within a team to, to create, I think, a really positive outcome. Yeah, that's huge, man. You guys, have, you definitely have uh, <coughs> instilled a lot more collaboration throughout all these different departments and uh, it's been impressive and, and I think you're seeing it too from your lacrosse national championship soccer being so good now too final four um, hockey possible not national champions this year we'll see um, yeah it's just continuing to see you guys rise is impressive um, about what's what is um, one of the biggest challenges you think that we see in our profession as strength coaches and if, is there a way that the NSCA could help with that? You know, do you see the, uh, something that you could point out that you think would be an easy fix or maybe not easy, but somehow that we could help? Yeah, I mean, the NSA has done an unbelievable job, I would think, of establishing resources for coaches in terms of education and networking. Um, you know, I think the standard of education is continuing to improve. Uh, but to have, I think, you know, things like this, like podcasts where you hear from different professionals, different perspectives, and just how easily accessible they are, um, that's obviously completely different than it was ago, you know, basically like 10 years ago. Um, you know, when I first got into the field, um, you know, we didn't have things like this. You know, there's maybe a few podcasts that were starting to pop up um, but you know this is huge you know it's these are the things that I think can influence a lot more people and the 
the consistency behind it because of how available it is. Um, you know, I think that a lot of this may be starting in the issues that we run into, I think, are just from the practical standpoint, um, you know, taking the science and applying it back in. Um, I think that, you know, the tough thing is that there's undergrad and grad programs that I think don't appeal to the to the practitioner. Um, there's programs that are highly clinical, but then they don't really teach how to coach. Um, they don't teach people how to utilize science or evidence-based practice to guide decision-making within our environment. Um, and that's when I think you see people that run into, you know, situations or issues within the job place. Um, and it's something that's, you know, it's tough. You know, I, I was lucky to have, you know, undergrad in science and in human physiology at Boston U, but then get my master's specializing in coaching. Um, and that had maybe the most profound impact on my career um, outside of all the internships and everything else that I was doing because it gave me perspective from both sides. Um, you know, you know how to work with individuals, how to apply, you know, coaching at a really high level and to view things differently. Um, but I think it just doesn't get done a lot. I think you see a lot more strand conditioning undergrad and grad programs popping up. Um, but I think it's just ensuring that they really do, you know, I think take on perspective, not only the science, but how to apply it back in from practical standpoint how do you how do you evaluate you know not only you know your athletes physically but how do you evaluate relationships or the context of, of coaching and how much of an impact that you're making on that side of things um, it's about how everything comes together um, and I think there's really really brilliant people in each of those perspectives you know you look at you know the science and the application you look at like the practical side of coaching but I think it's eventually it's got to blend together um, there has to be I think a, a better way to create um, a more complete educational developmental you know process starting from undergrad through grad and then obviously the different experiences that people get in their internships uh, but it's been awesome because I think as you know standards have have risen over the last few years um, and the NCA hopefully continues to evolve you know the standards for coaches um, you know it's it's going to create more competition and, and more situations where I think great coaches are going to end up in, in better situations um, you know I think competition solves a lot of problems <laughs> um, but I think you know the NSCA you know has done an unbelievable job I think of continually developing and improving conferences um, and resources for, for our profession and at the end of the day like that's what we want to see out of our national governing, governing body more than anything and they've done a great job in the last few years um, not to your own horn Scott but you've done a really good job of creating I think conferences that appeal to the masses that have really great speakers um, that really contributed a high level to the education of other coaches um, and, and that's the most impressive thing is that it's continually giving back every year um, and creating those situations yeah, thanks man I appreciate it like it's, very, it's in in similar to what you're doing here is it's a much more collaborative collaborative um, uh, effort at the NSCA headquarters between departments between board of directors uh, directors and all the people that you know do the day-to-day -day stuff to be successful just like an athletics program um, cool just kind of uh, tagging off that you know we're talking all about a lot of um, things you know maybe um, different things for people to you know challenges and whatnot how about some challenges or roadblocks that you should watch out for as a young strength coach coming up anything that just 
comes to mind right off the bat. I mean, I'm always going to say the work-life balance is probably the biggest thing that I run into. Um, you know, early on in my career, it was literally 100% in. Like, I'll be honest, like, you know, every weekend was spent doing something related to the job. Um, as I've gotten a little bit older and, and now, you know, I've got a fiance and we're getting married this coming summer. Um, I've had to, I think, reprioritize things along the way. And there's there's definitely no book on on finding work-life balance that I've, I've read or seen that's, you know, helping me along the way. But I think it's just, I think you always have to take into consideration, you know, everything. Um, burnout, which is obviously really prevalent within the field. Um, you know, efficiency, like now, I'll be honest, the biggest change I've had to make is being as literally as efficient with my time as possible in the workplace. You know, I'm still working, you know, probably 11 to 12 hour days, you know, probably at least five days a week. And then the 17 hour day on the days that we have, you know, games that night with hockey. Uh, and it's a grind. Uh, but I think it's always trying to work on work-life balance, improving relationships, not only in the workplace, but also at home uh, and prioritizing those just as much as everything else in your life, if not more so. Uh, so you got to, I think, keep things in context. Um, nothing is as important as the relationships that you have with your family. Uh, and so, you know, the, if there's one thing I'll tell people, it's a pitfall. It's like, be careful of, I think, spending too much time in the job place. Look for ways to streamline, you know, your, your day. Um, be as efficient as possible. Don't waste time. Uh, you, you know, that that's the biggest stuff that's helped me along the way. And then, you know, I think being creative. Um, just because you're in an environment doesn't mean that you have to be limited in terms of resources or how things get applied back in in terms of the job. Um, you know, be creative with resources that are around you um, in your situations. You, you know, I'm really lucky in the academic setting because universities have better resources than probably the majority of professional teams. Uh, we have a better weight room than the majority of professional teams. We have academic departments that, you know, will actually assist us with mathematical statistics. Um, now with all the different technology that we're using, we've got the mechanical engineering department across campus that now is highly, highly integrated with our department and sports med and in integrating different types of eval and research that we're doing consistently with our student athletes. Um, there's so many resources that are constantly around you um, and they're there to, I think, assist and help. Um, but you have to, I think, sometimes just take a step back and actually look around, not only in the department that you're working, but also what's actually around you within the community. Um, develop strategic relationships. People that are constantly trying to get involved um, has made a big impact. Um, like I said, my relationship with Dr. Studholm has been, been unbelievable. Um, and he's shaped my education probably more so in the last three to four years than really anybody else during that time period. Um, he's given me perspective, um, but it all started just because he's super passionate with with soccer um, and so he got involved within our program and then immediately we started talking and realized that we were both I think shared a similar interest um, in how to do things and you know it's like I've learned more from the chiropractic and physical therapy viewpoint now um, that's shaping my decisions day to day um, than, than really I ever thought you know was possible um, and it's been really cool to kind of explore those different relationships within the community um, but all of those things come together to make you know, to, I think streamline your life. Um, yeah, you know, I like I say, I learn more now from people just talking than spending, you know, four hours reading at night. It's like I get home from a 12 hour day and it's like I'm crashing hard. Right. Um, 
So th- those things are really important. Yeah, that's great. It's all, that's all one of my mentors used to say. It's all about results and relationships, right? So at the end of the day, we got to keep athletes healthy and, and allow them to participate at the highest level and to build relationships with, just like you said, all these other people and departments. And that the most successful programs you see are the ones that have these great relationships across departments, across campuses. Um, cool, kind of wrapping it up. I uh, really appreciate you being on the interview. How do people get in touch with you if they want to reach out to you now that they listen to this and they've got a ton of questions? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my work emails matthew.shaw at du.edu. Uh, my Twitter handle is du underscore coach Shaw. Um, so both of those work out great. Uh, feel free to shoot me any questions they may have. Be happy to help in any way. Great. Come and do any uh, conferences coming up. Uh, you got anything on your agenda that you're attending? In the next few months? Yeah, so uh, this year we're kind of taking different perspective in terms of continuing ed. Um, done a lot with the NSA in the last year. It was just at a coaches conference, which was awesome. Um, huge success. I think it was one of the biggest conferences you guys have had, which was awesome to see this continuing to develop. Um, you know, this actually in the next probably two months here I'm um, with another one of our staff members we're heading to FNOR um, functional neuro orthopedic rehabilitation um, different thought process and philosophy um, more along the lines of sports med viewpoint um, but looking at um, really the the lumbopelvic hip complex and the impact of the nervous system um, different group um, and perspective but you know those are the things now that I think we're prioritizing is not just things necessarily directly with in our field, but also, you know, who else can we learn from, uh, you know, outside of that, you know, definitely going to the NSCA hockey conference, um, that's down in Colorado Springs. So it's an easy, uh, easy place for me to get down to. Um, and every year it always turns out to be, you know, unbelievable lineup. Uh, you know, the people that are speaking this year, you know, you have Cal, um, Deeds who's speaking a few times. Um, and then, you know, you look at different people within the NHL, um, different private practice. Um, you got people people coming down from Canada constantly. Uh, so I think it doesn't really matter what sport you're working with. There's so much education that you can get out of those experiences. Um, you know, and just talking and learning from people with different perspectives, it's not just a hockey conference. Um, you got brilliant minds in the room that share a lot of their strategies. Um, and then in the end of the day, it's like th- those conferences are unbelievable and influential. Um, so I highly recommend that one too. Cool. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate you being on and, And uh, we'll sure we'll see you soon. Awesome. Appreciate it, Scott. Thanks. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.